Roofing.net. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, where every Tuesday buy 10 wings, get 10 wings free. This is Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. So we take you until noon. All 20 minutes or so from now, Matt Poston's from Heartland College Sports. He covers the uh, Big 12, obviously, at Heartland College Sports. Also, uh, Moonlights as a Cowboys, a Dallas Cowboys reporter. So we'll pick his brain on... We still call them America's team? Or is that the Denver Broncos? It's not the Denver okay. Broncos. It's not the Broncos, okay. They are still America's I think they are team. Too. I think they are, too. Star Most nailed. polarizing team. They are. There's something to be said about that, indeed. Uh, Brian Walton covers the Cardinals for thecardinalnation.com. Brian Trenton, Ken, as always, we appreciate you uh, coming on here today. Brian, you would know better than me. Um, I think that at the end of July, the Brewers were up two. As we reached the end of August, the Cardinals are up six going into tonight. Wasn't it like a two-game lead for the Brew Crew at the end of July? Somewhere around there? The Cardinals... The Cardinals were three games out of first place as July ended. How about that? And they're six yeah. games in front uh, now in, in the blink of an eye. So, obviously, the Brewers did their part to help, right? I, I guess by trading Hader, and he certainly hasn't been liked out by any means. In fact, he's been awful. But what have the Cardinals done differently? Uh, what, uh, what has, uh, in your mind, the biggest reason for this turnaround is what? Well, the Cardinals have avoided a lot of injuries, but I think Oliver Marmol, who's a first-year manager, has done a really good job yes, of trying has. to optimize his lineup. So you're seeing, you know, Dylan Carlson's having, you know, struggling against right-handed pitching, so he's sitting. Uh, Tyler O'Neill's now gotten his chance to play. Lars uh, Lars Nupar has been exceptional in right. Brendan Donovan, who just gets on base, and he put those two young guys, and I'm talking about um, Newt Bar and Donovan, in the one and two spots in the batting order, and that seems to have solved the problem, a lot of the problem the Cardinals had scoring runs, because you know the guys, you know, Goldschmidt and Arenado, are going to be there, but the problem early in the year was they couldn't find guys to get on base ahead of them. Indeed, they could. Just uh, one more follow up on that. I was disappointed that Schilt walked the plank at the end uh, at the end of last year. I thought he probably deserved to come back, but boy, oh boy, um, they had hit a home run with uh, with Oliver Marmol. I don't think he's going to win Manager of the Year. I think probably Showalter would be the favorite to win that. He can't give it the Dodgers, I don't think, or um, Schnitger, who won the World Series last year. Um, but Marmol has been phenomenal. Did you think that he would have this success and have the buy-in from the players and not be afraid to manage, uh, as you just pointed out? Did you think he was had this in him? I have known Oliver Marmol a long time. He came up from the Cardinals uh, system as a minor leaguer, only got as far as Class A uh, as a player. But an extremely intelligent guy, very much like Schilt, he grew up in the organization. And, in fact, he was Schilt's right-hand man. So I thought that you know when Schilt was let go that maybe Marmol wouldn't get the job because the two were so close. But Marmol built his own relationships in the organization, and 
you know, the Cardinals like a young manager who's open to new analytic approaches. And, you know, and the, you know, the, the contrast, of course, was Tony LaRusso, who was very successful, but very set in his ways. Mm-hmm. And so they want to have a guy, you know, in the manager's uh, seat that they can work with. And this has proved to be a good marriage. Now, Marmol, you know, as I said, just like Schilt, never played in the major leagues, but has gone out of his way to establish relationships with the players and seems to have the respect of the veteran guys. Of course, the big question remains Jack Flaherty. Tell us the latest on that front, what you're hearing and the anticipation. He's going to make it a go as a starter. If that doesn't work, the likelihood that he can be a bullpen piece. You know, Anytime we're talking about a guy with shoulder problems, you know, there's got to be questions. And Flaherty, you know, really hasn't been the ace kind of pitcher that everybody expects him to be since 2019. So, you know, he's been pitching well in rehab and moving between double A AA and triple A, has one more start uh, on Wednesday, and then will be back in the rotation. I believe it's against the Nationals on Sunday. And the intent is for Jack Flaherty to start. And Assuming that he can be what he can be, it'll be a huge boost to the Cardinals down down the stretch. Dakota Hudson's been very spotty. He probably is the guy whose rotation spot uh, may be in balance, may be you know in in the mix here. Stephen Matz is of course another guy they signed to a four year contract. Is close to not as close as Flaherty, but is close to coming back. But he will definitely Matz will definitely go to the bullpen. So that gives the Cardinals more weapons down the stretch because the left side of their bullpen has been a little shaky this year. Brian, I, I'm I'm assuming you watched on on Sunday night. Uh, I'm not sure if you were there when they... So, one of the best pieces of sports TV that I've seen this year, quite honestly, in any sport... Was well, we saw that the All Star game with Manoa mic'd up. There's been one subsequent to that that was really good, but when when Adam Wainwright, who's a starting pitcher, and pitchers are notorious for not talking to anybody, any press on the day that they start. A, he was willing to put on a mic, and B, as he's warming up, as he's going through his bullpen, uh, the Sunday night crew is firing questions at him, and he's that was phenomenal television, Brian Walton. I agree, and I'm a traditionalist, Ken. You know that. Yep. I'm a guy that, you know, I don't like the interviews in the dugout during the games and that kind of stuff. But I will tell you, as you said, anybody who saw that, and you can, you know, watch the videos online, it, it went on for, what, 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wainwright, you know, shared what he was thinking. And, you know, the, I think he made a key point, and that is trying to draw that distinction between routine and superstition. And superstition. Yep. yep. I mean, that is that is so huge because baseball players, of course, are notoriously superstitious. You yeah. see them hop over the lines and, you know, the, the, the whole thing, adjust the batting gloves every pitch and all that. But Wainwright is such an intelligent guy, a thinking man's guy, and it's kind of an every man's guy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, what's there not to like about him? He's obviously got a future ahead of him in broadcast. For sure. There's no no doubt about that. But, you know, the way he's pitching, he might decide. He's just uh, celebrating his 41st birthday. He may decide to stay around another year. Wouldn't surprise me. So when will we find that out, Brian? Because that was my follow-up to you. Because, man, oh, man, the way that he's pitching – uh, and what he means to that organization, and you don't want to stay too long. I get that. You just, you know, you want to go out at, on top or as close to the top. You don't want the boy stayed a year too long. Wainwright, another guy that tried to milk it one more year type of thing. When will he decide? Because he looks as though he still absolutely could pitch. Is this? Are there? Are there talks ongoing? Have you heard? I have not heard of any talks, and I would be surprised if they are. Wainwright's mo the last few years has been. Hey, I want to wait till after the season. I want to go home and sit down with my wife, talk about it with my family. He's a very, very devoted family man uh, back in Atlanta. And then he'll decide what he wants to do. And if he decides he wants to pitch another year, there's no doubt the Cardinals will 
welcome him back with open arms. But I don't think they're going to pressure him to do that. I think, you know, he's definitely deserved the right to decide, you know, what his next steps will be. But I don't think we'll see that until uh, till October or November. So we get to a playoff game. Everybody's available out of the bullpen. You get five strong out of the pen, not knowing, obviously, who you're playing, opponent, all that. You want to get one inning out of four different guys. We'll play it that direction. How does the bullpen play out four guys for four innings? Well, it's an interesting situation as you talk about the playoffs because, you know, of course, in the playoffs, you don't typically need five starters. Mm -hmm. So you've got, you know, one potential starter. Again, you've got, you know, if you assume your starter is probably Flaherty, Wainwright, maybe Michaelis, assuming he's, you know, stays in good shape. But Montgomery and Quintana, the two guys that they picked up have been exceptional as well. So, you know, is Quintana in the bullpen? Don't know. Certainly the guy, Ryan Helsley, has shown he can pitch multiple innings. He's a closer. Um, I think that as long as he's not being overused, Giovanni Gallegos has been very, very good. The rookie, Andre Pallante, has been good. And I think Jordan Hicks, even, who we know know can throw over 100 miles an hour, is a guy that if they keep him to one inning, seems to be able to to do well. But when he gets into a second inning, he starts walking guys. So the Cardinals have a lot of options in the bullpen, which is, you know, something that had hurt them in the playoffs the last couple years. Yeah, it really is. Uh, And they're they're playing so darn well right now. That Sunday night baseball game, my gosh, it was entertaining. Um, Odorizzi has no hitter through through five innings. How did that ball leave? The the ball that Newt Bar hit onto left field, how did that? I mean, it did. It it uh, it cleared the wall, but what a weird home run! Even, he, I mean, if you watch him, he didn't even. He think had it was no. Out. He couldn't he find stood, the ball. No, he kind of stood there and said, "Well, you know, it looks like it's going foul," and and all of a sudden, you know, it just cleared that little corner and, and left. And you know, that's the difference sometimes between championship seasons yeah. and you know missing the playoffs. Little plays like that that. Um, you know, make a difference in a huge series against a team that, you know, obviously is a, is a world champion. So, you know, I think it was good for the Cardinals' confidence. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one thing to beat up on Arizona and Colorado and the Cubs, but, you know, playing a team, you know, like Atlanta and, you know, winning those last two games the way they did, I think was very, very important yeah. to their confidence because they're not going to see a lot of playoff caliber clubs until they play out in San Diego and Los Angeles at the very, very, you know, final weeks of the uh, final days of September. Mm. And right now it's going to be mostly at home, mostly playing teams that, frankly, are very beatable. Mm. Uh, Brian Walton, the CardinalNation.com. He kind of, I, I picked up on uh, how you answered with, um, with Mike List. He's not been good last couple of starts. Mm. What's going on there? Well, I don't really know, but I can tell you this. Mike List missed the whole 2020 season due to injury. Last year, he came back during the season, pitched less than 50 innings. And granted, he's a veteran. I get that. But you go from zero innings to 44 to 160 or whatever it is, that's a lot to ask. And, yeah, I don't know this, but I can only imagine that maybe a little fatigue setting in. And so, again, back to our discussion earlier that said, you know, you got Flaherty coming back. Maybe Michaelis is another guy who you give a little rest to, or maybe you don't count on quite as heavily down the stretch to try to get him strong for September. Here's kind of a, October. a weird question. If this continues with Pujols and he continues to put these numbers out, could he win NL Comeback Player of the Year? Uh, yeah, I think he could. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I think the, the bigger question I thought where you were going is, is he going to want to play another year? Yeah. Pujols has never been one that said 700 was a big deal to him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think it was going to be realistic just because of the fact that another thing that Oliver Marmol has done very, very well, it took him a while, but... Pujols plays against left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now and then he'll get in at bat against a right-hander, but as long as Pujols plays against left-handed pitching, he's very, very strong. And, you know, he's only six away. You know, he might get there. But I, 
Yeah, I don't think Poulos is going to probably play another year. I think he's decided this is it. But what a way it would be to ride out with an individual award like comeback player, but even better, you know, going deep into the playoffs. Yeah, indeed it would be. Yeah, look, he's got, what, there's what, five weeks left, Brian, because they play into October. So there's essentially five weeks left of baseball. One a week gets him right on the precipice. <laughs> he's going to pass A-Rod. Uh, does he get the 700? Last time we had you on, you didn't think so. Have you changed your mind? I am. I'm starting to change my mind now. Again, I haven't looked. I haven't looked at the uh, at the starters of the other teams that are mm-hmm. you know playing down the stretch to see yep. you know how often they're going to be left-handers. But uh, Cubs, Washington, Pittsburgh, you know Milwaukee, Cincinnati, etc. You know, you would think over that period of time that the Pools might get a chance to uh, to get those last six home runs, and how exciting that would be! Oh my gosh, unbelievable, Brian! It's going to be a couple of weeks uh, as we're kind of football, college football crazed here, but we will uh, get back with you in a couple of weeks. We certainly appreciate what you do for us, talking Cardinals. They are the only one of the regional. Well, Trent's Twins are a couple Yee. of games out. Maybe tap the brakes. I was going <laughs> to say the only regional team that we've got uh, going to the playoffs will be the Redbirds, but maybe the Twinkies can join that team. Let's hope. Brian, thank you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Sure appreciate it, Brian. Take care. Thank you. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Yeah, twins are very much alive. I'm getting sucked back in. You should. Last night was fun. Yep. I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Watching that was a good game. Duran throw the first ever 100 mile an hour off speed pitch. So he's the, he's the closer next year? I mean, no oh, doubt about it for sure, right? Well, they, they have Lopez for another year. Uh-huh. And I think they like the flexibility they? that they have. Like you saw last night, he pitched in the seventh mm-hmm. because of the part of the order that was coming up for the Red Sox. So I, I think they like right now that flexibility. And plus, at this point in his career, he's has more of ability to go one and a third, two innings if need be, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of things if he's efficient. So I think that's probably the plan for next year is it'll be more of that swing guy. It'll be Lopez at the back end. 100 mile an hour. He calls it a splinker because it's not a splitter. And it's not a sinker. It's kind of in between. It's a splinker. A splinker. That's what they call it. And um, somebody asked him last night after the game, you know, well, what is it about that pitch? He goes, well, when you're throwing a 100-mile-an-hour breaking pitch, it's, believe it or not, really hard to control that. Not bad. <laughs> well, you don't throw that very often. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the three-man booth last night? Perkins, Morneau, and Bremer. See, the Mets, the Mets is my favorite booth, and right. it's a three-man booth. Mm. I think I'd like having the first baseman and the pitcher along. I did too because Morneau is just so dry. Yeah, and he's he's gotten a lot better, as yeah. you know. I mean, we oh, remember he's, a, he's, a, he's way better. I agree, but he's still dry. Uh-huh. I mean, he he is he is white toast. Yes, he is. There is not even nope. a no peanut butter on nope. that. Nope, <laughs> that's what you get with Morneau. And Perkins is goofy. Yep, and he's got the Minnesota connection too. I mean, he went to the U and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So I liked it. I do too. That's. It's an improvement in the booth. Because Morneau by himself is kind of, yeah. you know, ratchet it up, show a little something. Give it's me just, a little. It's not his personality. He doesn't have that personality, no. He's a Canadian lad. Yes, we are. We're kind of just put our heads down and go through life and not get in anybody's way and be very polite and say, I'm sorry, a whole bunch. Uh, we'll take a time out. Uh, good stuff out of Brian Walton. This Cardinals team, they are fun to watch. Really Make fun. a run. Get to the NLCS. Give us a little Can something. they? Yes. Well, who do they knock off? Which of the two? Anybody but heads? the Dodgers. So they're going to have to knock off the Mets to get there? Yeah. 
In your scenario? That rotation. I think the Mets and the Dodgers play this weekend. Do they? I, let me look. I'm pretty sure they do. I mean, it's college football season. Yeah, it's going to be difficult to to pry yourself away from that one, isn't it? Uh, let me find... Let me racing here trying to find... The now, the Dodgers got the Padres. This weekend? Yes. When did they... Oh, they're playing right now. They play tonight. Oh, there you go. Mets and Dodgers uh, tonight. Anyways, we'll take Tuesdays a- and Wednesdays are for baseball. They are, and they we're will back be. to that time, aren't we? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, we'll take a time out. We will uh, come back with uh, Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports, and if you're a Cowboys fan, we'll do a little Dallas Cowboys as well. Uh, it's Miller and Conan on Des Moines Sports Station 1063 on KXNO. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL and Week One of action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner. Of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't miss offer. Bet $5 on any football team, you'll get game, you'll get $200 in free bets instantly. But did they forget about their existing customer base? No, never. No, 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 no. If you want any more action on opening night, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. The team that you bet, if they get up seven, your ticket cashes. Bet on any NFL team, your choice. If they win by, if they're leading by seven at any point in the game, you get paid instantly, even if they come back and lose. It's incredible it what they're doing at DraftKings Sportsbook. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. When you do, use promo code KXNO and you'll get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. Again, promo code KXNO only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. I will only bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. .com slash football terms. Gambling problem? Like many of you, my home was hit by the storm recently. My roof had hail damage, and I knew there was one place to call. It's Trent Condon for Wolf Roofing. I've known the team at Wolf Roofing now for almost a decade. They're central Iowans that care about community and doing the job right. Go with a company that you know, a company from here. Go with Wolf Roofing. Set up your appointment at 515 515- 225-8866 or online Wolf Roofing and iHeartMedia. Local farmers markets are back in 2022 in your community. Enjoy fresh produce, live music, baked goods, crafts, and food trucks at the Johnson Farmers Market located at the Johnson Town Square. Vendors will be set up on the south side of City Hall. You can visit the market from 3.30 until 6.30 on Tuesdays, now through October the 11th. For more information on this Greater Des Moines event and others, visit CatchDesMoines.com. This Farmers Market PSA is brought to you by NCMI. I see. Andrew gets off. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, eleven thirty, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. 
Let's talk a little Big 12 here with our friend Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports. Of course, one of the publishers at College Football America, Matt Postens. He joins the program. Matt, uh, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Matt Postens? Hey, I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, and uh, I'm not surprised to see all the national uh, prognosticators um, just all over the map when it comes to this conference, right? It's difficult to find, you know, um, two people that are on board with the same team winning it, which I think is great. I love parity. I love the fact that there's a handful of teams that you can legitimately make a case that they can get to the uh, to the conference championship. I think it's going to be a wild season. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun too. It's it's rare, you know, really in the last half half dozen years that we have the kind of parity you're talking about. I mean, you know, the turnover at Oklahoma uh, kind of leveled the field a little bit in terms of the talent. But you know, Baylor and Oklahoma State were the two teams that made the conference championship game last year. I think you can make a legitimate argument at this point that Kansas State could be a player to get to Arlington for that title game. And you know, I think even for a Texas team that is. I think probably lopsidedly more talented on the offside, offensive side of the football than the defensive side of the football. You could make a case for them too that if things break the right way, uh, they could end up there as well. So, uh, you know, it's it's as wide open as it's ever been, and I thought it was pretty wide open last year, but you know, it's even more so this year with the just the turnover at Oklahoma. You know, they they lost a ton of talent when Lincoln Riley went away, at, and I think Brent Venables has done a really good job of replenishing it. But they may be another year away from from being a truly dominant Oklahoma team again. So with that, getting to the playoff, the college football playoff and its current structure, missed the last couple of seasons, give me a percentage chance. Are we talking 25%, 50% chance of getting a team in the playoff because of this? Mm. It just seems incredibly yeah. difficult to anticipate a team maybe even getting to 11-2 and two and winning a championship. I'd say it'd be like 1-10 in 10 because... Yeah. If you go all the way back to the BCS, you know, all the way back to the mid '90s, uh, the only team to make it with two losses, I believe, is that LSU team that Les Miles led to the national championship game back in '05, '06, something like that. I mean, in, in the playoff era, no two-loss team has made it. Uh, Baylor's case last year was tenuous at best. Uh, they they avenged their regular season loss to Oklahoma State, but what really killed them to me was their loss to TCU in October and. I just don't think in the current structure with them just taking four teams uh, that you're going to see the Big 12 or really any other conference, for that matter, get a two-loss team in, unless you're talking about a situation where maybe there's just one undefeated team in the country, maybe one other team in the country with one loss, and then you've got a bunch of two-loss teams. Then you can start haggling about strength of schedule, championship game, that kind of thing. But, you know, we've seen... You know, three, four teams end the season with one loss, and in the current structure, with as much parity as we're talking about in the Big 12, I think it's going to be really difficult uh, for a Big 12 team to get into the playoff unless they only have one loss overall. Uh, I'm with you. I think it's next to impossible because I'm not sure that there'll be a one-loss team. Well, we shall see. Is Oklahoma the only one that could do that? I don't know. If it all clicks with I... them? Would you say that, Matt? I mean, with, with the talent they have, are they the only one that could even get to that spot? If the, if the if everything clicks, they can. But I, I think I would argue that if everything clicks with Baylor, they can do it. If okay. That's why I'm on board. Yeah. They, they can do it too. Yeah. I think any one of those three teams, if everything clicks for them, yep. they could get through conference with a loss, win the championship game, very likely play the team they lose to in the mm-hmm. championship game and avenge that loss. 
that would give them a 12 and one ledger and that would give them a fighting chance. But I think for those three teams, I think everything has to break right. And, you know, I don't want to oversell the Nebraska game because of what happened Saturday, but Oklahoma still has to play Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma State's got to play a very game Central Michigan team this weekend. Baylor's got to go to BYU. So they're, they've got, they've got rough spots there in non-conference that could give them some trouble, but obviously, uh, with the parity we're talking about in the Big 12, it's going to be more about can you get through the conference schedule with just one loss. You know, speaking of BYU, and I know I'm painting with a pretty broad brush, but that fan base, man, they need to get a hold of themselves. That Duke scenario last yes. week, I mean, I remember when Iowa State played, and there weren't a bunch of choir boys wearing cycling uniform, but it got ugly among some of the fan base. Matt, when they come to the Big 12, um, and I know that there's already starting to be chatter about this, they have to be forewarned that this isn't going to fly here. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to fly anywhere. Doesn't right, good point. Yeah, excellent it doesn't point. matter the, the behavior. Right. Uh, I, I read about what happened, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know enough about BYU to know if that is an isolated incident or if that is something that 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 happens frequently there in Salt Lake. I don't know enough about their fan base to know that for certain, but I can tell you this. They are a national fan base, maybe not quite on the level of a Notre Dame, but they are a national fan base. They travel well. They've got fans in every pocket of the country. So when they do join the conference next year, it's not going to surprise me to see, see a good BYU contingent in Ames mm-hmm. or in Lawrence or in uh, Manhattan or Austin. I, I've been to a BYU-Texas game in Austin. They had a pretty solid contingent there when they played about 10 years ago. So, um, you know, there are – certainly rules around that sort of behavior within the Big 12. And if that happens again, I would imagine that the uh, Big 12 office would have something to say about that. But, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, that's just not going to fly anywhere these days. And I, and I hope that that's an isolated and not indicative of the fan base. Uh, absolutely. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. Matt, uh, when uh, we just, uh, we knew we were having you on, um, I wanted to pick your brain on. I think I got kind of a handle on nine out of the ten teams. For whatever reason, I just, I'm in the dark on TCU. I see mm. Dugan won the job, and that wasn't a given. Yeah. Apparently, he was in a real battle uh, uh, with a, uh, not, I don't think it was a true freshman, a redshirt freshman. So help me out on TCU. Sonny Dykes gets the gig. Um, kind of hear the Horned Frogs. Are, is, is this a team I should pay more attention to? Um, I'm not sure yet either. I mean, Sonny hasn't decided on a starting QB. He hasn't, oh, he hasn't. He's kind of doing the gym. No, he hasn't. He, he is still haggling over those two guys, and I think it's going to turn into a, something to watch during non-conference. Um, I think both of those guys are going to get some playing time. It could be a Michigan scenario where they play McNamara one week and play the other guy the next week. Um, you know, Sonny said in July, you know, there, that he didn't have a clear favorite for the job, and that seems to have borne out. And, it, and that's that age-old, you know, football thing. You know, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. And I think that's going to be a real interesting thing to watch the first few weeks. I mean, I, I feel like Duggan's experience, um, really lends itself to them trying to stabilize that program and take a step forward. But, you know, if, it sounds like the other guy has done enough to at least muddy the waters a little bit. And when, when you have a, a talented guy like that that can muddy the waters for a guy who's been there a few years, mm-hmm. it makes it a very interesting situation. Also makes it harder for them to build chemistry. You contrast that to what Texas did by naming Quinn Ewers the starter a couple of weeks ago. They know who their QB is going to be going into the first game. You know, Hudson cards there as the backup. You know, there was obviously clear separation between the two, but the two quarterbacks at TCU, there obviously isn't that clear separation 
and they're going to have to figure that out before conference play starts in a few weeks. Want to go uh, in your final kind of thought here before we get to the season on Iowa State? What's more likely to happen? We get to the final couple games of the year, and Iowa State still has a shot to get to the conference championship game, or they're still fighting for bowl eligibility. What do you think is more realistic for Iowa State in your mind going towards the end of the season? That's probably more realistic that they'll be fighting for bowl eligibility. I, I just feel like we talked about those five teams at the beginning, and I don't, I don't think Iowa State's a part of that group yet. Mm-hmm. But two things. Number one, they've got some obvious playmakers on defense, and they could be one of those teams that could, based on those playmakers, create a lot of turnovers defensively, which would give their offense more opportunities to score. And B, if the quarterback, if the quarterback accelerates quickly, you know, if he gets in, gets acclimated to the offense, accelerates himself quickly, you know, starts doing the kinds of things that are going to help make that offense move up and down the field, that could make it a little more likely that they're a, a challenger, not necessarily a contender, but a challenger uh, when you get to November. And I also think their schedule is pretty tough in November, and I think that kind of works against them a bit, too. Mm. Uh, is there one hot seat? Going into the season, I mean, Neil Brown's obviously, right? He has to produce, I would think, or he's going to be somewhere else. Is that the only one? I, I think he's the only one. I look at the other coaches in this conference, and you know, they're either they've only been there a year or two, right. or they've been there long enough and they've got a track record. I mean, I hear whispers about Kleeman. I, I think it would be I premature to, to to show him the door at this point, especially given what they did this year in the transfer market. He's mm-hmm. made the program more attractive to transfers. I know, I know it's Texas, but I mean, Sarkeesian's in the second year. He's making a lot of money. It's a huge buyout. They're not going to dr- dump him after two years unless it's a, something that has nothing to do with football. So right. I think Brown is really the only one that, that is truly on a hot seat right now. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think. And, you know, we had that big roundup, what, three years ago with the uh, four different coaches that came in. And, yeah. and already uh, one of them dwindled off that list. We're talking right now to Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. So, it's interesting looking at the slate this weekend in the Big 12 where the best games are happening on Thursday and Friday, it feels like, in the conference overall. The Saturday slate, a little bit light in comparison <laughs> to what we get, including the backyard brawl on Thursday night. Plus Oklahoma State against Central Michigan. Central Michigan's got a really talented running back, and well, the last time those two teams got together, there was some histrionics at the end of that. Pretty good slate here to get things started for the Big 12. Yeah, I, I love in West Virginia being able to play each other. That's, yep. uh, that's just great football. That's a great rivalry. Yeah, don't don't overlook the Okie State-Central Michigan game. I actually covered that game mm. about six, seven years ago when it was up in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And that was a – they had Mason back then. That was a tough game mm. for them. They won it, but they only won it by about nine, ten points. So that was a tough place for them to play. And then, of course, you talked about the, the, the payback game the following year when Central Michigan won late in the game. Um, and the rest of them, you know, honestly, they're just they're cupcake games. I mean, Baylor's going to do bad things to Albany. <laughs> Texas is going to do bad things to ULM. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they each won by 50 points. I mean, I've covered a couple of those Baylor money games, uh, and, and, I mean, Baylor doesn't really show any mercy at all <laughs> in those games. So for those teams like Albany and, and ULM, your job is to get your paycheck and get out without a lot of major injuries. So Iowa State's uh, favored by 38. They are. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, TCU goes to to Boulder, and color. I mean, the Buffs don't have a pulse. They're awful. So maybe not read too much into TCU if they, you know, lay a whooping on Colorado. 
Um, I think it would certainly help them from a confidence standpoint. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a Power 5 program. Yeah, and you're, you're opening on the road at a Power 5 program, even if they're not you know that good right now. Um, that still means something if you win that game. I mean, it, it's a, a lot different than them opening the season last year with Duquesne at home. Um, <laughs> you know, Colorado's going to be able to match up with them talent-wise. Um, they may not be as good a team, but I, I think TCU would feel good coming away from that game with a win. And I think you could read a little bit into it, especially if um, if one of those quarterbacks distinguishes themselves from the other in that game. I think that's the big thing that I would be looking for if I were Sonny Dykes and that staff is, yeah, this is really the first opportunity to see my guys in a game situation against a team that doesn't know what we're doing. Is there a guy that clearly separates himself from the other as they try to figure out who that starting quarterback is going to be going into Big 12 play? Finally, conference realignment. It's a conversation that continues to dominate many conversations out there. What's the latest you're hearing, and are you sick of it? I mean, we finally get football coming up this weekend. <laughs> I'm glad we have football to talk about now, but... <laughs> You know, I think as long as the Pac-12 is continuing to negotiate with ESPN, and they're in a second exclusive window now that I think ends in the next week or two, I think as long as they're continuing to talk to television partners, I don't think anything new is going to happen. I think those schools that have been linked to the Big 12, like Colorado and Utah, the two Arizona schools, I think they're waiting to see what they can get out of this television contract from ESPN and from anybody else before they make a decision about what they want to do. I think all things considered, if they can get the kind of money that they want from a television contract, they'll stay in the Pac-12. But if they feel like they can get more money from another conference or another you know, TV deal, then I think that's when they start exploring uh, other options. I, I think for the Big 12, I know the commissioners have still been very bullish about expansion. Uh, the Pac-12 commissioners said the same thing. So I think it's going to kind of come down to you know, which one of these two commissioners either makes a move first or blinks first. And I still think the Big 12 is better positioned, not just because they have a, a more stable membership going forward and they've kind of been through all the stuff that the Big that the Pac-12 is going through now with USC and UCLA. It's all in their rearview mirror. Because of their geographic location, they can go east, maybe grab a USF if that's what they, they want to do. They can go west and grab a San Diego State and those other Pac-12 schools. I still think they're better positioned, but I think until those schools in the Pac-12 know what they'll get from an ESPN deal, I, I think they're going to stand pat for now and not make any moves until they know what that's going to look like. And Matt, my last question for you, it has to do with the Cowboys. I know you were on the beat for the last uh, few years. Um, who's the best running back on the roster? Hmm. <laughs> well, if you ask Jerry, it's Zeke. Uh, I'm not sure he's right, though. Fans- if you ask some of the fans in Dallas, I'll tell you it's Tony Pollard. I think they're um, right. I, I think the biggest problem that the Cowboys have right now, actually, it's, it's not the running back. It's the it's the offensive situation. They've lost two starting offensive linemen injuries. Uh, obviously, they traded away Amari Cooper for a sack of rocks, and Michael Gallup's not going to be back for a month or two. Right. Um, some of, A lot of their problems right now are honestly self-inflicted. I, I think the coaching staff can figure out how to best use Zeke and Tony Pollard together, but you know, pound for pound, if I'll put it this way, if Zeke were to get hurt and miss a month of the season tomorrow, I wouldn't be that worried about the running back position like I would be about the left tackle position. A lot of fantasy drafts coming up. I, yeah. I think Tony Pollard's the guy. I really do. Uh, great stuff, as always, Matt Postens. Uh, we appreciate the relationship. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. Thank you. 
Sounds great, guys. Appreciate it. Yep, good to talk to you. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports as we talk a little bit of uh, Big 12. Yeah, TCU Colorado, Friday night, 9 o'clock. Yeah, that's I'm a in. good one. It absolutely is to end your Friday. Um, backyard brawl earlier. There's two good games at 6 o'clock. Oh, is the Oklahoma State the same time? I believe so, yeah. I think it is, too. When is um, Penn State-Purdue? That is a 7 o'clock kick, and then 8 o'clock for Minnesota-New Mexico State. Ah, boy, that Big Ten tilt. Mm-hmm. That'll be having my attention. Trent, that's two days from now. Keep an eye on La Tech at Missouri. Really? You yeah. think so? They'll sling it around. All right. Uh, we'll take a time. I'll come back. Trent's plays of the day. I have a sense where he's going Thursday night with that little clue. <laughs> uh, Circus Sports sponsors his plays of the day. Miller and Condon. One more segment to go on Des Moines Sports Station. 106. Free consultation. Is now the best time ever to own a single-family rental home in Des Moines. Trent Condon here from my good friends at Renner's Warehouse. And I'm here to tell you, housing prices are falling, but rents are rising. And with low inventories, they're stronger than ever. What does this mean for you? It's not always a seller's market, but it is always a renter's market, especially when you hire Renner's Warehouse to manage the process for you. With selling, you never know what you're going to get. With renting, You can be confident in your ability to earn monthly cash flow, appreciation, and tax benefits for the long term. And with Renner's Warehouse, you can sit back and collect the money. Tenants, they find the best. Rent, they collect it for you. Maintenance requests, they handle them 24-7. All for just one low monthly flat fee. They'll even warranty your tenants for free. Don't sell. Cash in and rent your home with Renner's Warehouse instead. Find out how much rent your home can get by visiting Renner'sWarehouse.com or call 515-528-4429.net. The biggest pro full overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports with two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circus Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com. After the storms hit central Iowa recently, you see companies from all over the country come to Iowa to take advantage of Iowans' misfortune. They're here today, gone tomorrow. You want to stick with companies you know. Companies like Wolf Roofing. You know Wolf Roofing will be here long after the storm. They've been here for over 25 years. Wolf Roofing and its employees are central Iowans just like you. When storms hit and misfortune happens, they take care of their own. Go to Wolf Roofing. Back to Miller and Condon on KXNO and Trent's Pick of the Day. Presented by Circus Sports Iowa. Hi, Miller and Condon. Final couple of minutes here on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. If you're a fan of the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers, or you hate them, you just love yes. listening mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to conversation about when they get beat. Sipple's rescheduled for tomorrow. For tomorrow, all right. The schadenfreude, it is strong with me anytime ba- something bad happens now, in Nebraska. be nice to my friend. Well, I'm, I'm always nice to Well, I'm not always nice to Sip. I like to needle Sip just a little bit. <laughs> but I bought it. I, yeah, I know you did. You more than, more than me this year. Yes, which usually is not the mm-hmm. case. I thought they were going to be better. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what's going to be great? What? Is if all of a sudden we see Martinez just 
lighted up a Kansas <laughs> State. State. Yeah, and, Casey Thompson was the answer. Yeah. I mean, th- th- That's did you what read I Twitter after the first 30 minutes of the football game? Heisman. See what a difference when you have a quarterback? Uh-huh. I didn't hear much of that. All right, let's make some plays, Trent Connor. Let's yes. make this audience of ours a little cash. Well, we did it yesterday, so let's go back to the well again. We got four Did your parlay plays. hit? That was the one that did not oh. hit the other two, including the D-backs being down six, coming back and back, getting the win. Yes. They I, booed Madison Bumgartner well, off the he pump. he was brutal. And uh, watched that a little bit last night. Watched also the Angels and Yankees on MLB Network. So flipping back and forth. We're going to go back. Zach Allen's on the bump. Diamondbacks, you know, that's an automatic play for me. Mm-hmm. Plus 124 at home against the Phillies. Also West Coast tonight. Give me the Giants with Webb against Blake Snell, who has not been good. I will uh, take the Giants with pick number two. Earlier in the evening, give me Baltimore against Cleveland. Guardians maybe taking on a little bit of oil. This is a hopeful one, too. Like the pitching matchup also for Baltimore in that spot. And Houston, they're a big favorite, but not as big as you'd think against the Rangers. It's minus 150 at Circa. I thought this thing would be like minus 200, minus 220 with Valdez on the bump. Minus 150? I can lay that price. I'm happy with that one. Final pick there. So four picks. It is Baltimore, Astros, D-backs, Giants. I will be watching the Dodgers and the Mets. What's the pitching matchup tonight? Uh, it is, it's not a marquee win. Okay. Uh, Haney versus Tawan Walker. Haney's been great. He has been. He has been. Walker's had been hit and miss, but that's mm-hmm. where I'll be tonight. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow morning at 10. But more local programming at 1. The Drive with Heather Burnside and Sean Roberts coming up at 3. Thanks for being with us. 106.3 KXNO.